So today we're starting session three. I'm making sure Kent's ready to go. Are you ready, babe? Okay. We're going to be starting session three of our healing of the, the soul, the inner healing series. The title is Master Gardening for Your Soul. The, the um, root scripture or the scripture that we've been really looking at to, to kind of frame this whole teaching is the one about the gardener. It doesn't say God's a gardener, but I've taken the scripture and I just see God as the gardener of our heart, as the tender of our heart. He wants us whole, like Tom said, in every area, in our spirit and our soul and our body. And this scripture just kind of just paints this beautiful picture of God presenting himself as the gardener of our heart. So this is 1 Thessalonians 5.23. Now, may the God of peace make you holy in every way. And that word holy means consecrated unto him, separated unto him. What you're doing right now, friends, is yielding to him, setting aside this time, seeking him. And when we do, we find him. So as we draw near to him, he draws near to us. And holiness is a result. So the God of peace says, this says, he makes us holy in every way. And his desire is that our whole spirit, soul, and body is kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. God will make this happen. Isn't that good news? God will make this happen. And he who calls us is faithful. So this scripture says that God wants us whole, holy, set apart, sanctified, consecrated unto him in every area. When we receive Jesus as our Savior, we're made completely righteous. It becomes who we are. It becomes our state of being, not our state of doing. We don't have to do things to become righteous. We just become righteous because of the the blood of Christ that has freed us and taken what we deserved, redeemed us, saved us, healed us, made us whole. Because of Jesus' blood, our spirit is made whole, perfect. But our soul, which is our mind, our will, our emotions, and our bodies, are not made perfect. That's why we're here. That's why many of us come seeking our part in receiving healing, seeking our part in in receiving wholeness in every area of our life, including our soul. The other scripture that has been a foundational scripture is 3 John verse 2 where God says, Beloved, I desire above all things that you prosper in every way and are healthy and walk in health or have health, even as your soul prospers. So because there's a comma and the word even as, there is a relationship between the two halves of that scripture. God says that we will prosper in every area in the proportion that our soul prospers or in relationship to our soul prospering. And he also says that we will be in health in the proportion that our soul prospers. So this part of us called our soul is very important. So this whole 10 weeks is about the prospering of our soul or the health of our soul. This is, this is proven with medical research because the, the biggest cause for physical issues are soul issues. The doctors don't call them soul issues. They call them mental or emotional you know, factors. 
these mental or emotional factors cause stuff in our physical body. That's medically, you know, um, diagnosed or whatever. It's a medical uh, fact. So we're going to deal with the soul. We're going to look at the soul. Now, the first two weeks, we looked at the first root. Because again, we're talking about the garden of the heart and God being the tender. I I need to go back because I don't want to lose the connection about God as our gardener. In Thessalonians, it says that our whole spirit, soul, and body will be kept blameless. And those words, kept blameless, means carefully tended and taken care of. That's what God does. Jesus came to heal us in every area, spirit, soul, and body. And his desire is to carefully tend our heart. But we have a heart part to play. We have a part to receive, to, to know, to know, to believe, and to receive. So we're going to be cultivating our hearts with the Holy Spirit, with the Word. We're going to be doing some weeding. And if you guys know me as a gardener, especially Kent knows this, those weeds can't live in my garden. And those weeds, when they come out, the root better come with them, or I'll dig that thing out. (laughs) I don't want any roots in my garden any bad roots that are going to grow weeds. And if it's a pervasive weed, it's even worse. One of those weeds that kind of goes down and spreads and comes up in other places, oh, those really got to go. So we're going to be using the pervasive seed of the word, which always overtakes bad roots. It always overtakes it. So we're going to be using the word of God and looking at how to get those things out of there. So the first bad root that we looked at the first two weeks was the root of woundedness, of being hurt from the outside in and how to, to, how to deal with that. The second root that we're going to be looking at this week and next week is the root of lies. We're going to look at what lies are, how they originated, and how to disempower lies. But before we start that, I want to share this testimony It's a beautiful testimony. It's PK's testimony. PK, will you raise your hand? That's our beautiful PK. PK and her dad and a lot of her friends have been coming to this meeting for a long time, especially her and her dad. And they've just been growing. And we have had the joy of watching them grow and come to know truth and apply it to their lives. PK and I and many of our ministry team have had some amazing talks, some amazing um, talks. times to share about what God has been doing and growing in their lives and the results that they're seeing. But this testimony happened last week, and it is literally an, a God encounter. It's just, this has just blessed me tremendously. And if you're on Facebook, you've already read it because she sent it to me last week and I got her permission to share it. I shared the second part of it today. It had a part one and a part two. So here's the first part. PK said, hi, Cindy, I just wanted to share what I unexpectedly saw when you were doing corporate prayer after your teaching on woundedness. This was last week, the last part of the session. I was standing at a distance, and I saw a portrait that looked like Jesus. I was drawn to it. As I came closer, I could see his face. There was a soft ray of light that focused and highlighted his eyes, which in turn caused me to look into his eyes. When my eyes met his eyes, it was like an instant live connection. 
like he could read every thought, feel every emotion, experience everything I've gone through. He knew everything. His eyes had such deep, immense, profound compassion, kindness, love, and empathy for me. I saw such pure, uninhibited, unconditional love in his eyes for me. He looked at me with complete attention, almost with bewilderment, like, how can I not love you? He wants me to understand that to him, I'm worth everything, that no matter what, I'm loved, that no matter what I've done or what has been done to me, I'm covered by his blood. And then he spoke this to her. Believe and trust in my love, for in it is everything. Validation, value, worth, belonging, being wanted, worth, preciousness, joy, fulfillment, forgiveness, purpose, acceptance, comfort, completeness, security, protection. Stand and remain in confidence that I love you always. That is the truth of your identity. So she took that that encounter. It was a God encounter. She said that she wanted to talk to me right after the, the session, but she was just undone. She was just weeping with this encounter she had with the face-to-face love of God. And so she went home, and she also wanted to capture it with words. Sometimes when that happens, it's like, how do I put that into words? So she went home and, and you know, put it into words. But then she also prayed into it. Um, those of us who have, who have um, had a God encounter, that's a powerful thing to do. Take that thing that God has shown you, write it down, and then pray into it. Just take time to read it out loud again. Say, God, is there anything else you want to show me? Let him, let him just deepen it even deeper. So that's what she did. And he began to uncover a lie that she had been believing. So he showed her this beautiful love and said, isn't this enough? You're worth everything to me, baby girl. And then she took that and she started asking God about it and he showed her a lie that she'd been believing. And this is the second part. There was a piece of my heart that was hard towards God, a piece of myself that blamed God. Sometimes I had questioned God's goodness and love because of life, because of the frustrations, disappointments, hurts, struggles, and unfairness I face daily. I wanted things to happen according to my plans and convenience. I often felt God was distant and had abandoned me to face and suffer this harsh world alone. How could a God of love do that? But he dispelled that lie. That's what we're going to be talking today about lies. Lies that we bought. A lot of times we don't even know we bought them. Because they seem pretty true. Or the experiences of our life frame things. And we look at it through that experience. And then we buy this lie. And so the lie that she had, God dispelled. In the eyes of Jesus, I saw his constant love for me. And relentless pursuit of me. He's always working to get his truth to me. However... I was more interested in what he could do for me than in loving him. But now everything in this world seems so minuscule compared to his love. I forgave God and myself, and I asked God to forgive me. And then I handed it all to Jesus. 
You know, that sounds kind of weird. I forgave God. Sometimes we need to do that. It's not that God does anything wrong, but we're holding an offense. So we need to just let go of that offense. We can become offended with God. When I asked him, okay, let me go back. Then I handed all that to Jesus, all that lie, all that stuff. She handed it to Jesus. When she asked him what he had in return for her, this is what Jesus said, wholeness, strong oneness, and love. My sweet, dear, dear child, 1,000 blessings to you. And PK said, I'm not sure why he used those words. <laughs> so I googled the definition of each word. So she started to, again, we can do that. I do that sometimes. God will give me a word. And I'll say, God, I'm not sure what that means. So I'll go look it up. Today when I was worshiping, there were two words that I looked up that were in the song I was worshiping him with. One of them was ascribe. And one of them was unassailable. And I was singing these praises, and I thought, I don't even know what that means. When I looked it up, it just, oh, it was so much bigger. And that's what PK did. She looked these words up, and this is, the, this is what the message was. When she, when she took God's message and just looked up the words and, and amplified them, this is, what she, this is what God spoke to her. Listen to this, and this is for all of you. My sweet, darling, love, beloved, precious, cherished treasure, I hold you very close to my heart, daughter, and immensity, fullness of quantity, multitude, a very long time, paradise, and everlasting happiness of God's favor and protection to you. And then her last words are, wow, I cried. Isn't that beautiful? That's a God encounter, guys. That's what we're going to be doing for the next remaining eight weeks, is letting God get in there. Oftentimes, PK, I know PK's fought different things in her physical body. You don't care if I share a little bit, do you? And she's also had some issues with work, work work-related things, career-related things we've talked about and prayed about. A lot of times, this kind of healing that we're talking about, that that I just shared, is the... This, the beginning point where she can believe God for the rest and have faith in the love of God and the finished work of God for all the rest. She can see the love of God, the faithfulness of God through this, this encounter that she had. And it's not just for her. I have had many stories, and I'll probably be sharing more of them as we go, that people have been sharing with me. So please continue to do that because it blesses all of us. And God is glorified. And God is glorified. So, Father, as we start this teaching, I pray over it. I pray that your Holy Spirit oh, speaks so, so purely through me. And I pray that the word that goes forth, the seed that goes forth, the pervasive seed of the word and the truth completely takes over the bad root of lies. And I pray for um, multitudes of testimonies coming, God, multitudes of healing, multitudes of, of freedom growing in the garden of our hearts. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. 
So today we're going to talk about lies. The first thing we're going to do is expose the, the, what lies are, where they originate, and just kind of uh, using the word, looking at different um, categories, three big categories of lies from the enemy. So where do they originate? You probably already know the enemy. We're going to show you a scripture right now that gives you that evidence. John chapter 8, verses 43 and 44. I want to just give you a little bit of background. In this scripture, in chapter 8, um, about halfway through the chapter, Jesus is addressing the Pharisees. The Pharisees are questioning Jesus. You know that. They questioned him all the time. They questioned what he was doing and why he was doing it and who he was and his qualifications, and they just questioned him. He wasn't always the rule follower that they wanted him to be. So they were questioning him, and they weren't seeing what he was telling them. He was giving them evidence, but they couldn't see it. And then Jesus said this to them, Why don't you understand what I say? And then he answered his own question. You don't understand because your hearts are closed to my message. The word heart can also be soul. Your inner man, your soul, is closed to my message. You are the offspring of your father, the devil. And you serve your father very well, passionately carrying out his desires. He's been a murderer right from the start. He never stood with the one who is the true prince. For he's full of nothing but lies. Lies are his native tongue. He is a master of deception and the father of lies. That's the enemy. Now, this is before Jesus had accomplished the finished work. And they were under the, the, the dominion of the enemy. The Pharisees were under the dominion of the enemy. And Jesus said, your father is the father of lies. That's why you don't understand. You're deceived. He's a liar. He's the master of deception. He's the father of lies. But there's some really good news. And that is that Jesus did shed his blood for us. He did become the perfect sacrifice. And if you've received Jesus, we're not in the same place that those Pharisees were. Scripture makes it clear that the devil has already been defeated stripped of his authority and power. And the scripture I put on your sheet because it's from the Passion Translation, so it's a translation you, it's not as easily accessible, so I wanted to give it to you. So I'm going to read it, and Tom, I'm going to be kind of stopping and talking at each page break, just so you know. So it starts with verse 11. Through our union with him, and it's referring to Jesus, we have experienced circumcision of the heart. All of the guilt and power of sin has been cut away and is now extinct. So it starts out saying, we as believers. Now, this is only believers who have experienced the circumcision of the heart. And what has been cut away? The guilt and the power of sin. And I love it. It's, this version says it's now extinct. What does extinct mean? It's gone. There ain't no dinosaurs on this earth. (laughs) And there's no power of sin in my heart. It is extinct. Sin has no dominion. It has no power over me. And it wasn't because of something good that we have done, but because of what Christ, the anointed one, has accomplished for us. For we've been buried with him, immersed into his death. 
Our baptism into death also means we were raised with him when we believed in God's resurrection power. Notice it says, when we believed. The power that raised him from death's realm. Go ahead to the next slide. This realm of death describes our former state. For we were held in sin's grasp. That's our old, that's the old reborn Cindy. That's when we were under the dominion of sin. That's called the death realm. But now, just like we were crucified with Christ, we were also resurrected. Now we've been resurrected out of that realm of death, never to return. For we are forever alive and forgiven in all our sins. That word forgiven is remitted, remission of sins. That means there's no more power of sin. That means sin has been eliminated from our spirit. And through the divine authority of his cross, he canceled out every legal violation we had on our record and the old arrest warrant that stood to indict us. He erased it all. Our sins, our stained soul, there's the soul part, and our shameful failure to keep his laws. He deleted it all, and they cannot be retrieved. I love this, the way that it's worded. So, our, our old sin nature... The part of us that was circumcised was deleted and it was cleaned out. It was, can't be retrieved. So when you're on your computer, you delete your emails, they go into the trash. Then you delete the trash and they're gone unless somebody does whatever they do with computers. But God's, they can never get it back. According to God, that sin is gone It's deleted and it can never, they can never be retrieved. That's past, present, and future. So we deserve that arrest warrant. But Jesus paid it all. He erased it all through his sacrifice. Isn't this amazing news? Everything we once were in Adam has been placed onto his cross and nailed permanently there as a public display of cancellation. Now here's the part where the devil was stripped. Ready? Then, after Jesus did it all, paid it all, it's done, then Jesus made a public spectacle of all the powers and principalities of darkness. That's all the enemy in the demonic realm. Stripping away from them every weapon and all their spiritual authority and power to accuse us. Amen. It's stripped away. It's taken away. He no, the, the enemy no longer has the power or the authority to accuse us. And by the power of the cross, Jesus led them around. This is the, de- the demonic realm. Led them around as prisoners in a procession of triumph. He was not their prisoner. They were his. Now, as children of God, we are in complete communion with Jesus. We are in Jesus. He is in us. And we are in that same position of triumph. We, the enemy is our prisoner. We're not the enemy's prisoner. We can literally have a parade. (laughs) If you need to do that in your home, do it. Have a parade and say, I'm hauling you around as my prisoner enemy. You no longer have authority or power to accuse me because everything that I was guilty of has been judged through Jesus. 
And all my sin has been canceled out and deleted and it can never be retrieved. Period. And you can just have a little parade in your house. That's what Jesus did in the spiritual realm. That's what Jesus did. That good news? So there are, there's a liar. There's the liar out there. The enemy is the author of lies. But he's been stripped of his authority to accuse us and to make us believe those lies. But here's the issue. He's been defeated. But he can still influence us if we buy his lies. The only power he has is the power that we give him. And usually that power comes through a lack of knowledge or a lack of applying the knowledge that you have. So here we are. We've got this, this, this enemy. His only hope, he's been, he's been stripped. So his only hope is to deceive us. And when he does, when he deceives us and we take the bait, then that's, how, that's the only way he can fight or war against God is through us taking his bait. Because when we do, it hurts God. He wants us well. He wants us whole. So Satan's goals are in direct opposition to God's. God's goals are for us to know truth. To know truth. Because truth sets us free. God's best for us is fruitfulness. To be fruitful. To have fruitful lives. To live that rich and satisfying life. To be a light in the world. God's best for us is to have connection with him. He wants us to be connected with him. He created us for relationship. So that's God's goal. The enemy's goal is the opposite. He wants to deceive us. God wants truth. The enemy says, oh, no, I want to deceive you. God wants fruitfulness. The enemy wants fruitlessness. He wants to steal. He wants to steal our fruit. He wants to steal the good stuff from us. God wants connection and relationship. The enemy wants us separated. And he does that through deception, through lies. So I'm going to, I'm going to teach you today uh, three categories of lies. And my prayer when I share this is that we're going to uncover lies so that they will no longer be deceiving. They're going to be out in the open. And then we're just going to say, uh-uh, I'm not believing that anymore. I renounce those lies, and God, I'm accepting your truth. So the first kind of demonic deception I want to talk about is called false truths. False truths. False truths are ungodly reasonings. Reasonings are when you just process, process, think, think, figure it out. Ungodly reasonings, but they look, they pose, they masquerade as righteous beliefs or they look like truth usually it's a truth that's been either watered down till it's not true anymore or truth that's been twisted a little bit so it's not true anymore now these that may be seemingly harmless it may look very harmless but those false truths can sneak inside and find their ways into the corner of human thought and become a mindset And that's when it becomes very dangerous. A mindset is a fixed mental attitude. It's not just a fleeting thought, but it's a fixed mental attitude or disposition that predetermines a person's responses or interpretations of situations. So it's something, another word could be a stronghold. 
It's something that you've, it's really a part of you or it's become a part of you, but where it can become, it can be removed, changed. That's what we're going to be doing tonight. But it's something that you've believed. And because you've believed it, you live according to that belief, which is not a good thing because you're letting the enemy have his way with you. You're receiving deception. I'm going to give you examples of what that looks like. Okay, I'm going to talk about four of them. And there's a lot more than these. You probably, um, and I believe Holy Spirit's just going to bring them out if you're believing any major lies that God wants you to be rid of tonight. One of them that we're actually going to be dealing with a lot next week, so I'm just going to touch on it today, is unworthiness. The definition of unworthiness is insufficient in worth, undeserving, lacking in value or merit. So this false truth, this, this ungodly mindset sounds like this. I'm not a good person. I've done, you know, then there's a, a, a big sin issue. This is my life. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe, it, maybe you're a smoker. Maybe it's, um, uh, 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 I don't know, whatever it is. You say, I'm a bad person. I'm not a good mother. Whatever it is. I've got this issue. I'm just not a good person. I'm not worthy, God, of your grace. I was raised Catholic, and every time I celebrated Mass, I spoke the words, Lord, I am not worthy to receive you. But only say the word, and I'll be healed. And if you were Catholic, you've said that many times. That's not what God's word says, guys. And what happened, I don't, when I go to the Catholic Church now with my family, I won't say that part <laughs> because I am worthy. Many times these mindsets are established through wrong teaching. Let me tell you the truth. The truth is we weren't worthy without Jesus. There's no way we could be worthy. But Isaiah 53, 5 says, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. See, he paid the price. That's why we're worthy. But we are worthy because of what he did. The next line says the chastisement or the price for our peace, for our wholeness, was upon him. He paid the price for us. That's why we're worthy. And here's another truth. If you're, if you're saying, God, there, your grace isn't big enough for me. I, I'm too bad of a person. There's no way. Well, then this scripture wouldn't be true, but it is true. <laughs> the scripture, it's 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says, And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. His grace is sufficient. And guys, if we buy the lie that we're not worthy, it's as if Jesus died in vain because we're not accepting his sacrifice. In order to receive the benefits, we need to accept it. We need to take it. If we stay there and say we're not worthy, we're not going to receive it. So that's an example of an ungodly mindset. It's saying I'm not worthy. Another one is the poverty spirit. Poverty spirit is a demonic force that wants to rob God's sons and daughters of blessing and provision. 
And what has happened is, um, well, it could be a number of things. It could be people telling you this. It could be misinterpreting scripture. There's a scripture that says um, uh, the love of money is the root of all evil. It doesn't say money. It says the love of money. In other words, making it an idol. God says don't make anything an idol. Have no other gods before me. But it doesn't say that blessing itself or possessions is evil. He doesn't say that. In fact, many times he talks about the blessings that he has for us. All the spiritual blessings from heaven are for us. The scripture, the foundational scripture we've been reading every week. Third John 2 says, Beloved, I wish that you may prosper in all things and be in health even as your soul prospers. God doesn't want us to be, you know, just destitute. That's not his will. But many people have bought that poverty spirit and they think that they're, they're humble or pious. Or I don't know what they think. I don't want to put thoughts into their mind. But there's something that's just keeping them from the full benefits of the, the word of God. So that's another example of an ungodly mindset. It doesn't agree with God's word. Another one is the orphan spirit. Do you know that we're sons and daughters of the living God? Yeah. That's what the scripture says in Romans 8.15, and there's many other places it says this. But this is just one example. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage, again, to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption from which we cry out, Abba. Father, the word Abba is a term of endearment that Jesus used for his father. And the best words that we have in our English language are daddy or papa. It's, it's this, because God loves us so much. We are his adopted children. But if you have this orphan spirit, if you have this lie, this ungodly mindset, it's, I'm going to read this definition. It's on your paper. The orphan spirit causes one to live life as if he does not have a safe, secure place in the Father's heart. He feels he has no place of affirmation or protection or comfort or belonging or affection. Remember when we talked about the role of Father God? That's the role our Father God plays in our life. Not plays, bad word. That's who he is in our life. But an orphan spirit doesn't believe it. Self-oriented, lonely, and inwardly isolated, he has no one from whom to draw godly inheritance. Well, God has given us inheritance, his inheritance. If we choose not to receive it, we're in that place. We're, we're making ourselves an orphan when we're not an orphan. That would be like me having an amazing mom and dad, and I do, and choosing not to um, enjoy the benefits or receive the, the blessings they give me. Or the inheritance that they've set aside for me. I'm, I'm staying with that. <laughs> but many people with this orphan spirit don't receive the inheritance of God. Because they don't, I don't know why. Therefore they have to strive, achieve, compete, and earn everything they get in life. It easily leads them to a life of anxiety, fears, and frustrations. The next... Um, mindset that I want to talk about is one that I have come out of a hundred percent. It's the religious spirit. A religious spirit is a man-made effort that works to please God. It's the difference between 
uh, religion works the love of law to relationship. Religion works love of law. Relationship, the law of love. It's a whole different place. It's a whole different place. With this religious spirit, you try to earn God's love and salvation. With a religious spirit, you try to conform to outward holiness without inward transformation. So it's like, okay, I'm going to follow the rules. I'm going to do this, do this, do this, do this, and then I'll be holy, or I'll be good, or I'll be a good person, or whatever, however you want to word it. You perform Christian duties, but have no passion or hunger for God. You desire position and honor in the church more than honor of God, honor from God. Now, let me read the truth, and then I'll, I'll give you my experience. Here's the biblical truth. And there's so many examples I could use, but I wanted to just give you one scripture for each one. This is Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Now, many of you know my background. Um, I was brought up in a, a, religious, a religious home. Um, my family is so beautiful, so faithful, so, be- so loving. And I don't want to talk down in any way about my family. But I was in a different place. I was very much faithful in my religion, but it was religion. I followed the rules well. I was very um, conscious of needing to follow the rules. I'm not even going to say sin conscious, but I was very rule conscious. I knew that I needed to go to church every Sunday. I knew that I needed to go to confession twice a year, Christmas and Easter. I knew that I needed not to eat meat on Friday during Lent. I knew that I needed to give something up during Lent. I mean, all that stuff. Um, And I did, and I checked it off my list. But I had no relationship at all. I didn't read the word. I'd never encountered... God, I'd never prayed for my salvation with all my heart and relinquished my life to him. I lived a very religious lifestyle. This is, I believe, one of the biggest deceptions in the world out there is religion. Because it is a very um, uh, pretty lie. It looks good. People are going, they're, they're singing, they're giving their, their money, you know. They're, they're faithful, they're, they're living, at, they're, they're good people. But there's no life. There's no relationship. The enemy has this, this big deception. It's all following an order of service. It's all rules and regulations. No, not all, not 100%. There are people who are, you know, passionately living their faith, in having an amazing relationship with God. Oh, there are. I know, my family's like that. My family is passionately loving the Lord. But there are so many that aren't. And that's where I was. It's a religious spirit. Another piece of evidence that I had that religious spirit is that when I started to move into a church that was Holy Spirit-led and there was life a lot of life and, and powerful messages and everything, whenever they mentioned religion or religious spirit, oh, I was offended. <laughs> I was offended. It was like, don't talk that way. 
And I, I mean, I just had this thing rise up in me because I still had a religious spirit. Not anymore. It's not about works. It's about Jesus. It's about his grace. It's about his love. It's about what he did, not about, not about what I do. So here are a couple of questions that will help to reveal if there is a false truth. Those are just a few examples. So when, you, when, there's, when God reveals, and he will, because we're going to ask him, and he's good about that. So if there's anything, ask God, does that mindset, does that thing that I'm believing lead me to Christ? Does it motivate me toward the call on my life? If it doesn't, then it's most likely from the enemy who wants to separate you from God. You see, that's what religion did. I had no relationship. It was keeping me from relationship with God. False truths lead to your disconnection from God. Truth brings repentance and relationship. Repentance is a great thing. It's when you run to God, not away from him. It's when you run to him. Okay, the second category of deception I want to talk about is colored lenses. Colored lenses tint the way we see life, leading us to partner with a skewed perspective. Colored lenses are ungodly perspectives that are developed through our lives, through our experiences. And we embrace them as a way to cope with whatever it is we're living through. So the way I see um, colored lenses are, we've got truth right here. You, might, you may or may not know the truth, but there is truth here. But your life, your experiences, frame your belief system. Instead of your theology based on Jesus and based on the word, your theology is skewed. It's, it's kind of shifted a little bit because it has to fit with your experiences. And that, those are colored lenses. It's like looking through tinted lenses at truth, and it becomes a lie. It becomes a deception. I'm going to give you several examples. Some of them are very simple. Some are big deals. Here's one example. I'm stupid. I, I have a hard time learning. I'm, this, now I'm just hypothetical because I'm not stupid. But this is, what, this is what people say. I'm stupid. I have, you know, I have ADHD or I have dyslexia. It's really hard for me to learn. You know, I'm not even going to try. I dealt with that lie as a learning consultant when I was an interventionist. My job as an interventionist was to um, help children who weren't um, uh, at the appropriate level at appropriate time. So if they weren't reading at a certain level, I supported them. And that was a lie I dealt with all the time because they thought they were stupid. They thought that they had something wrong with them. Oh, oh no, there's nothing wrong, baby girl. There's nothing wrong. Let's look at all the things that are right. Let's look at what you've learned. Let's look at what you know. Let's take that and add this to it and just watch what you're going to do. And I would encourage them and show them what they did know and show them, you know what? Everybody learns differently. Maybe you learn differently than your sister. That doesn't matter. You're still smart. Maybe you're just, you know, some kids crawl faster than others. Some kids walk faster than others. Some kids read faster than others. It's not a big deal. And when I would get that ungodly mindset switched to say, I am smart. I can learn. 
they'd take right off. Probably three-quarters of the kids that I worked with were completely at grade level within a very short time. It was a lie they were believing. And it was framed through experience. Little itty-bitty five-year-olds weren't reading well enough. They had an experience and said, I can't read. And so through a colored lens, they said, well, I guess I can't read. I guess I'm stupid. Uh Uh-uh. That's a lie. Another example, things to do with personality traits. I'm just shy. I'm an introvert. Are those personality, those, those tests that they have you take, don't take them. Because that could just be a lie that you could buy and receive. Oh, that's who I am. I'm gold or I'm green or I'm blue. I changed. It was interesting because we had to take those when I was a teacher. And I used to be gold before I was saved and I changed to blue. You guys probably don't know what that means. But my per- I guess my personality changed. I don't know. It's because my heart got circumcised. <laughs> but the point is, we are who God says we are. Not who the world says we are. Not who our moms and dads say we are. This is something I grew up with, this whole thing. I'm shy. I'm naturally an introvert. It's okay to be shy. That's how God made me. The issue is that it can get us to stay um, in a place where we're not taking steps out of our comfort zone to do what God's called us to do, to do what that gift is, what that gold is that's in there, that God wants to get out there. So we need to look at what God's truth says instead. God's truth says, I don't have a spirit of timidity. I have power, love, and a sound mind. My mom said I was the shy one and my sister was the outgoing one. But that's not what God said. I'll share more about that part of my testimony in a couple weeks. But things about your personality, people may have told you. Here's a good example. Maybe you have red hair. So you have a temper. That's a mindset. That's a, that's a colored lens. Maybe you're Italian. So you have this temper. Baloney. Baloney. God has given you a spirit of self-control. If you're a child of God, don't buy the lie. That's a colored lens. And then if you experience it, so if your family's really loud and lots of, you know, quick snaps of temper, well, that's just because we're Italian. So you've lived in that experience, and it's become a colored lens. But what does God say about it? Another example, this one is, um, uh, we're getting to be a little bit um, more dramatic or more um, crucial in your life. One is a victim mentality. Nothing's going to go well. Everything always goes wrong. Nothing works out. Why try? Everyone gets blessed but me. My life will just always be hard. I had a, a teacher friend when I was, I don't know why I got all these teacher stories. I haven't taught in four years. But another teacher friend whose, la- her, whose married name, last name was Murphy. And she used that name and, and started speaking something not good. She said, well, you know Murphy's Law. Everything that could go wrong will go wrong. And she started speaking that over herself. And then when something did go wrong, she would, you know, speak it again and, and give it life. It was just this silly, ungodly mindset. Or maybe um, you've been brought up in a home where there was a lot of unrest or, or just a, a lot of issues. So when you grow up, you think, well, that's just the way it is. And you buy the same lie because it's the experience that you've experienced. But that's not what God says for us. God says it's to his desire that we're whole, that we're prosperous, 
that he came to give us a rich and a satisfying life. So if you're in this victim mentality, that's not God's truth. You framed your, your, your perspective with experience instead of what God says. The next one I want to mention is entitlement mentality. This is a big one in the world today. Entitlement mentality. It might sound like this. I haven't been able to find the right job for my qualifications. So there's the college grads who can't find the job that pays what they should be getting so they don't take it. They're entitled to that. Well, maybe they need to start at the bottom level, work their way up like many of us did. It's entitlement mentality. I have a right to support from social services. That's what those programs were set up for. Even the college grads, you know, they, they won't take the job and start at the lower level, so they'll take social services instead because they're entitled to that. I need insurance and health care, and I'm entitled to all of the Obamacare benefits. But if I make X amount of money, then I'll no longer get the free insurance, so maybe I don't want that job, that minimum wage job. See the entitlement mentality that's out in the world right now? It's running rampant in this world right now because this is one of the areas the enemy is out there feeding the lies to and people are buying it. (laughs) Left and right. It's colored lenses. It's what they're seeing things through. It's this lens that they're seeing things through. But it's deception. It isn't... If you go to the word, look at what the word says about entitlement. Look at what the word says. You're supposed to work to eat. I mean, there's all sorts of stuff in the Bible. And then the last one that I want to touch on that is big in our, in our setting here in this healing ministry, and that is God's will to heal. There are a lot of people, many, many people, that have a colored lens about healing because they're filtering They're looking for it through the filter of life. And God's word's on the other side. So here they are with illness, with sickness, with yuck. Here's experience. What they've seen happen to other people. What they see in the world. And God's word's somewhere over there. And they're filtering God's word through this experience. And they're saying, well, it must not always be God's will to heal. Because, you know, I'm not seeing it. That's not what God's word says. So they're taking a beautiful, amazing truth and not receiving the benefits because of this deceptive. This is demonic. He's the author of lies. And they're seeing it through the colored lens. That's why we... That's why we use the authority God has given us to enforce... His defeat. He's been stripped of authority and power to deceive us, to accuse us. And that's why in here, we show you the word. We agree with God. We're not going to agree with the, the colored lens junk. So that's the second lie. Here are a couple questions to help reveal those lies, those colored lenses. Does this perspective align with Christ's teaching? Hmm. Does the perspective that sometimes it's God's will to heal, but not always, does that align with Christ's teaching? Uh Uh-uh. Is this perspective of life leading me to God or away from God? 
Well, if I thought God was a, a God that didn't want to heal me, I probably would turn away from him. Or if he didn't want to heal my child, I'd probably turn away from him. But because I know that he wants me well, he wants my children well, I'm going to run to him. The third area of lies that I want to talk about are crafty suggestions. Satan knows he has no true power. He knows he's been stripped. In order to convince us to believe him, the enemy often disguises himself as an angel of light. 2 Corinthians 11.14 says, Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. That's from the Bible. Think about Adam and Eve and how crafty the enemy was. On the surface, it looks like Satan questioned the whole tree thing. You know, he questioned God's commandment that they couldn't eat from that tree of of knowledge of good and evil. But there was something much deeper because that was just the surface. The deeper down part was that the underlying message was that Eve was tempted to doubt God's character and his motive for them. So these crafty suggestions of the enemy start in the form of something seemingly pretty harmless. An apple, just eat this apple. What's the difference between this apple and this apple? Seemingly harmless. Often they take the form of temptation. But as soon as we begin to entertain the devil's thoughts, those crafty suggestions, we've been positioned for defeat. I'm going to give you some examples. The first one is vain imaginations. And being this is a healing class, sometimes we have vain imaginations of sickness, death, or afterlife. So we're in this, this, this time of, I love to call it, healing journey the healing journey that we're on. But in the midst of the healing journey, the crafty suggestions of the enemy may entice us to daydream about about sickness, death, funeral. I've had people that I've known that have had this, this whole thing about my funeral, you know, thinking about my funeral and who will be there and, you know, what you know. That is a crafty suggestion of the enemy to get you to to entertain his thoughts. And death is his plan, stealing, killing, and destroying. Another example is a spirit of deception. This is a big one. This is when... This is when you say things such as, I hear from God. I don't need to listen to you. Because I hear from God myself. Or it might sound like this. I already know that scripture. I don't, need to, I don't need to listen to you. Or I know that it's God's will to heal. Yep, know all that. Don't need to go to a healing class. There are so many of you that have been coming for years. <laughs> it's not that you don't know God's word. It's that you realize how important it is to be fed the living word of God to be built up, to be strengthened, to come into the environment of of people who agree with you and the presence of God and the power that's the anointing that's on the teaching of the the word of healing 
But if you have that, that mindset or that, um, that crafty suggestion that you really don't need it, you know, it's, it's more important for you to stay at home and whatever, pay bills or cook dinner, whatever it is, that's, you're buying a lie of the enemy. It's very, this is a, this is a big one. I'm just going to stay here for a sec. If you've bought this deception, you're in a place of not being receptive. It's not just being receptive to us. You're also not being receptive to God. It's a spirit of deception. There's like a wall you've put up. We need one another. The body of Christ needs one another. We need to be fed. You wouldn't go months without eating. So why would you go months without being fed healing, if, especially if you're in the need of healing? It's a spirit of deception. The enemy is just keeping you separated from what you need. Another example of, of crafty suggestions is temptation, such as lust of the flesh. Here's an example with pornography. Pornography, is, it doesn't really hurt anything. Nobody knows it. You know, I'm doing it in secret. Nobody even knows. I'm not hurting it. I'm not hurting a soul. In fact, it even helps me in my intimacy with my wife. Crafty suggestion, lie of the enemy, and it could be the root of defeat. Same thing with any other addiction. So those little crafty suggestions, it's not going to hurt anything. Not a big deal. Crafty suggestions. I have an example that happened to Kent and I. It happened to me, but Kent, Kent was kind of with me. I'm not taking all the blame. I'm like Eve. <laughs> yes, take part of the blame. Um, this was a couple years ago, and we, we wa- one of the things we do for, for entertainment is watch movies. We love movies, but I'm very careful about what movies we watch. And I literally go to different sources to get the, like the, the family ratings to see if they're family-friendly or whatever. I won't watch anything that's... Um, I won't watch ours. Sometimes we'll watch PG-13, but I have to really make sure that I think I can watch it before I'll even watch a PG-13. So I had gone to my sources, found a movie, thought it looked good. It was a romantic comedy, which is one of the genres that he'll watch with me. <laughs> so, um, so we watched this movie. And... Even though it was a comedy and a romance, it had a lot of killing in it. I watched the whole thing. I'm sure the spirit was giving me a check, but I was totally ignoring it. I watched the whole movie, went to bed that night. I woke up in the middle of the night, just had to go to the bathroom. But when I woke up, I had a really uh, check in my spirit. And I just felt this oppression like this, ooh, what's that? Because I don't usually wake up like that. That's very unusual for me to wake up like that. And when I did, the first thing I did was I said to God, I said, God, what is that? That's exactly what I said. What is that I'm feeling? And this is what he said to me. He said, I want to make sure I get this right. He said, um, don't be entertained with the devil's play. Guard your heart and your mind. That's what I heard. In other words, I was being entertained, literally entertained with shooting and killing. I was being entertained with the devil's play. And he said, Cindy, be careful. Guard your heart and your mind. Now look at our world. Now I'm going to apply this to us. TV 
has the opportunity to be entertained by the devil's play all the time. Just regular, um, uh, I don't watch it, but, but regular TV, the stuff that's out there. On many, many channels. I know when we visit Florida, we watch more TV than we do at home because my mother-in-law does. And there will be um, gay couples kissing and stuff on TV. And I just like, oh, my gosh, turn that off. But the thing is, when you watch it all the time, you become callous. And it doesn't even seem like it's any big deal. It is a big deal to God. So we can be entertained by the devil's play. And that was just an example, a simple example that happened to me. It was a crafty thing of the enemy. Come on, Cindy, watch this movie. So those are just some examples of deception. False truths, colored lenses, crafty suggestions. So now we're going to spend the rest of the time disempowering those lies. Here's some really good news. Jesus has already won. So now we're in the midst of a victorious battle. You know, I've been reading lots of Old Testament recently, and I've been reading about when the Israelites went into um, Canaan, and they didn't even hardly have to do anything, just everything. All the, all the battle was done. All the battle was done for them, and everybody was defeated. That's where we're at. We're in a victorious battle. We win. We win. No matter what the enemy's trying to do, no matter what deception, what de- uh, he's doing, we win. All we have to do is partner with Jesus. 1 John 3, 8, this is one of the purposes that God was manifested, that Jesus was manifested. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Works. His purposes. He's the father of lies. He's the deceiver. He's the one that wants to get us to buy the accusation. He no longer has the authority. He's been stripped of the authority, but he still wants to do it. So our part is to agree with God, to agree with Jesus, and to enforce it. So I'm going to share two or three steps. The first is how to identify the lies. I'm believing that tonight a lot of lies have probably already been identified just through what I've shared. But this is what we do. We ask God. We ask God what those lies are. Communing with closely with God. When you're close to God, you hear his voice. Like I did that day when I watched the movie. I just, God, what are you trying to tell me? When you commune with God, he communes back. It's two-way. You'll sense. You'll feel. You might not hear words. That's okay. But if you have that, that check, it's like, oh, okay, God, I'm going to pay attention to that. In, in our world, we call it our conscience. If our conscience is like nudged, pay attention. Secondly, read and expect revelation through the word of God. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and active and full of power, making it operative, energizing, and effective. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating as far as the division of the soul and the spirit the completeness of a person, and of both joints and marrow, the deepest parts of our nature, exposing and judging the very thoughts and intentions of the heart. The word of God is, is, is alive. It's powerful. And it will divide for you. It will help you to discern lies from truth, especially when you ask yourself, 
questions. Like, is this thing I'm believing, does, that, does it agree with what I'm reading? God will show you the right thing to read. He will, it, whatever you're reading, he will teach you with. He will show you with. It's amazing how he uses his word to speak to us. But we need to listen. Romans 12, 2, love this scripture. In this scripture, God says, don't be conformed to the world. The word conform means pressed into the mold. Don't be pressed into the mold of the world's deception. Don't buy the entitlement lies. Don't buy the poverty spirit lies. Don't buy the religious spirit lies. Don't buy. Don't be pressed into the mold of the world. But instead, be transformed. The word transformed is metamorphosis. It's the same word that our word metamorphosis comes from. Be changed from one form into another by the renewing of your mind. The renewing of your mind, another word for the renewing is renovation. Our minds need renovated. But before we can renovate, we need to demolish. You can't put in new floor until you take out the old one. We're getting ready to do that, or I want to do it. Anyway, haven't really gotten ready yet, except in my head. To do new tile in our house, it's going to be a big mess because we have to tear out all the old tile before we put in a new tile. God says, do that. Renovate your mind. You need to demolish those old mindsets. We're going to be doing that today. We're going to be doing some renewing of our mind, some renovation. You have to demolish the old before you replace it with the new. And as you replace it with the new, the old gets demolished. kind of happens that way. You don't really have to do the demolishing first. The word does the demolishing for you. It's a lot easier than retiling my kitchen. God is so good. I, that happened to me with the religious spirit. That old mindset is gone. That old works mentality, that old got to follow the rules is gone. I don't live under the love of law anymore. I now live under the law of love. It's much better. <laughs> so God says, Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove that there will be evidence in your life of God's will. What is good and perfect and acceptable will of God. It will just show up in your life. It will become who you are as you're renewed by God's word. So number one, commune closely with God. Number two, read and expect revelation through the word of God. And the third thing, if the existence of a lie in your life is revealed by your trusted mentor or pastor. Listen. Now, I'm not saying it's absolute truth, but pay attention. So if Fran, if Kathy, if your pastor or your priest or Cindy says, that's a lie you're believing. We don't do it to hurt you. We're doing it because we know what the word says about it and we're trying to help you. So if you hear that, don't be offended. Go to God. Let him help you to receive it. If it's truth, if we're, if we're wrong, he'll reveal that to you. But don't take it lightly. In Hebrews 5.14, the scripture says, Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. We are all in different places in our spiritual walk, and we all are continuously, if we're continuously communing with God and reading his word, we're continuously growing. But maybe 
Maybe you're, you're a baby, and that's okay. Maybe you still need milk, and that's okay. But let the mature ones help you and, and take heed. So those are some ways to identify lies. Now we're going to look at combating lies. We're going to look at Jesus' example first. Jesus' strategy was twofold. When the enemy came at him with a lie, he immediately responded with God's truth. That's the first thing. And he refused to entertain the devil's thoughts. I'm going to show you some examples. Matthew 4, verses 3 and 4. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But Jesus replied, It is written, and forever remains written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Now you can't tell me he didn't want to entertain that thought of some bread right then. After he had fasted for 40 days. But he refused he refused to dwell on the enemy's thought because he knew that it was deceptive. He knew it was dangerous. The first thing he did was replaced it with the truth of God. Luke 4, verses 5 and eight, five through 8. Then he led Jesus up to a high mountain and displayed before him all the kingdoms of the inhabited earth and their magnificence in the twinkling of an eye. And the devil said to Jesus, I will give you all this realm and its glory, its power, its renown, because it has been handed over to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you worship before me, it will all be yours. Jesus replied to him, It is written, and forever remains written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Now the devil was trying to give Jesus a shortcut to that authority. Instead of dying. But Jesus said, oh no, I'm not going to entertain that thought. Don't you think it would have been tempting to say, well, that sounds a lot better than dying on a cross. He, would, he refused because the truth of the word was in his heart. And he came right out with that truth and said, oh no, I will only worship God. I will only serve God. And the third example is, is um, Matthew 16, verses 21 through 23. From then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem, that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but on the third day he would be raised from the dead. But Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Heaven forbid, Lord, he said. This will never happen to you. Jesus turned to Peter and said, Satan, get away from me. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. This is one of his trusted disciples. And yet when that trusted disciple said something that was outside of the will of God, he knew why he was there. He knew what he came to fulfill. And he wouldn't even listen to Peter. It was like, you know, the enemy works through people, like using them as puppets. And he can do that with your family members. He can do that with with people that you, you love. They can come to you and feed you things that, oh, no, that doesn't agree with God. Uh Uh-uh, not listening to it. It is important to guard your mind and your heart. And not, like Jesus did, not entertain the devil's junk. 
When we choose to guard our heart and our mind and take those lies captive instead of feeding them and fueling them, when we choose to do that, then truth that's in there has the opportunity to rise up and out and be powerful. But if we take in the lies, if we feed on the lies, then we give power to the lies. So God gives us a a word, a scripture to help us to know how powerful it is to take those things captive and to dwell on truth instead. This is 2 Corinthians 10, and again, it's from the Passion Translation, so I put it in your handout. For although we live in the natural realm, we don't wage a military campaign employing human weapons, using manipulation to achieve our aims. Instead, our spiritual weapons are energized with divine power. This is good news. Divine power to effectually dismantle the defenses behind which people hide. So we're talking about lies, deception, twisted truths, watered-down truth. We have divine power to dismantle it. And then this is the way we do it. We can demolish every deceptive fantasy. That's what we've been talking about. We can demolish those things that oppose God and break through every arrogant attitude that is raised up in defiance of the true knowledge of God. We capture, like prisoners of war, every thought and insist that it bow in obedience to the anointed one. So when those deceptions come, you do just what Jesus said. You say, oh no, get behind me, Satan. You have to bow to Jesus. You are under his feet. And you're under mine too, because I sit with Jesus at the right hand of God, and the footstool is under our feet. So we guard ourselves by taking those thoughts captive. Okay. Now what we're going to do, I've shared about three kinds of deceptions. I've shared some steps on disempowering those lies. We're going to prepare to go into ministry. I'm going to share these steps just like I have. This is following a pattern, if you've seen how I've been teaching the last few weeks. I'm going, I wanted to give you these steps so you can go home and do this at home. After I share the steps very briefly, then we're going to do a model of ministry. Kathy Bandel has volunteered very, very graciously to um, let us just go to God together, her and I, with you as a witness and see God work. And then we'll corporately do the same thing together. So here are the steps. First of all, we need to know what those lies are. So we're going to ask God to reveal them to us. When you go home, you may want to go through each of those categories, the false truths, the lenses, the colored lenses, the crafty suggestions, and just say, God, is there anything in this area? Today we won't do that because we're going to keep it a a little more simple. But So you go to God and ask him to show you. And then... Because we're dealing with roots, bad roots, we want to know kind of where that root started. So we're going to ask God, when did I start believing that lie? Where? When? And very often he'll show you when it happened, when you very first started believing it. When or if he shows you that, you may need to forgive somebody in that situation that helped you to believe that lie or that... um, somehow led you to believe that lie. So forgiveness if needed. Forgiveness always goes hand in hand with pretty much everything we do in inner healing. So then we go through the forgiveness. After that, you've, you've, it's been revealed. 
it's, it's surfaced. And then you say, okay, I renounce that lie. It means I choose to no longer believe it. Thank you, God, for revealing it to me. Now I know that I've been believing a good lie. I see the source. I've done forgiving. I, all that stuff's broken off, freed. I renounce the lie. And what I love to do is say, okay, I've renounced it. I'm letting go of it. And I hand it off. Hand it off. Say, God, I let go of this lie. And then comes the fun part. Say, God, what's the truth? And he will give you the truth. Sometimes it might sound very much like the opposite of the lie. Like if I say I'm shy, he says, no, you're not. (laughs) That's not how I made you. Sometimes it's very simple like that. Sometimes it's a word from the word. Now, I've added this in your your notes. This is something you would probably want to do during your study time. Ask God to show you a word from the Bible to confirm the truth that he's shown you. And it's, um, I'm just going to read this from the notes. Ask God for enlightenment within his word to confirm the truth he's given you. Write out that verse. Begin declaring it aloud through your day or days until you know it is true. Meditate on that word. Keep it in front of you. Because here's the problem, guys. If you have a lie that you've been believing for however old you are, I'm 58. So that lie about being shy, I believe for 58 years. So it took more than God saying, oh, no, you're not, for me to believe it. I needed to take his truth and meditate on it and speak it out loud and continue to declare it and continue to meditate on it and continue to have him help me to receive it into my heart, not just in my head, but in my heart. And replace that lie with truth. It doesn't always happen instantaneously. So that's why I wanted to add that step. That would be a step that you want to do over time. Let the truth replace the lie. And then the last thing is, the, if the enemy has very often, this is another whole teaching, but I'm just going to give you this much of a nugget. If the enemy has truly gotten you to buy a lie, there's often a, a demonic spirit that has a stronghold, like a hook in your soul. And you don't want that hook. Well, if you've renounced the lie, he no longer has a hook. So you can tell him to go. And he has to go. So then we cast off the spirit. So in my case, it might be the religious spirit. I cast off that religious spirit. I fall out of agreement with that religious spirit that had a hold of me. And then I've given you a whole bunch of things to just speak that out. So if God reveals to you any of these things or anything else... You can speak over yourself and do just what Jesus did when he walked on this earth. He said, you have to go, demonic spirit, and it will have to go. It has no no legal right, no hook, no hook left. Okay, so those are kind of the steps. Now you're going to see that in action. So Kathy, you want to come on up? You're going to have a seat right where the Kleenexes are. So when Kathy, um, I talked to her today, first of all, guys, um, Kathy can use lots of loving right now. She lost her dad. Her dad passed away um, about two weeks ago, right? Uh, January 12th. January 12th. And her mom passed away a year ago. 
So she's lost both of her parents in the last year. In fact, this is the first time I've seen her for a couple of weeks because of everything that's been going on. Um, so she's just, you know, she's going through a rough time right now. And when I asked her to do this today, she says, I don't know. I said, you know what? It might be something that God wants just for you for today because he loves you so much. I said, it's okay if you cry. Everybody usually cries. And that's a good thing because what you're doing is you're just releasing stuff that you've been holding in there. And it's okay. So, Tom, thank you. Thank you, thank you. So, um, and this is, this is the real thing. Kathy already knows this. She's, done, she's a sozo minister, so she does this a lot. Here. <laughs> Be prepared. Have a couple. I probably will, too. Okay. So, Father God, we just come here before you right now just because you love us so much. Father, if there's one thing that you've just shown me over the last three weeks is that you want to reveal your love. Yes, you want us well. Yes, you want us whole. But you do that through revealing your love to us. I'm just in awe of you, God. I'm just in awe of you. And as Kathy and I come right now together to your throne of grace, I just thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are, that you are uh, so welcome, so free. We submit to you, we surrender to you, and we just let you have your way right now. Mm-hmm. So, Kathy, I just want you to say, Father, Father are there any lies that I'm believing about myself? That you want to help me with right now. That you want to help me with right now. Yes. Yeah. Did he show you what it is? Mm-hmm. What is it? Um, that I don't deserve to be happy. Okay. Uh, I don't deserve happiness. I don't deserve good things to happen in my life. So, Father, I thank you for that for revealing that to Kathy. So Kathy asked him, say, Father, Father, when did I first start believing that lie? When did I first start believing that lie? When, um, when I was a kid. Are you seeing a, a specific time? Yeah. Okay. Do you want to share that or not? It's my dad who said, like, wipe that smile off your face. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also seeing a time with my mom when I made her mad. And um, she said I made her life miserable and that I deserve for my life to be miserable mm-hmm. when I get older. Okay. okay, so let's forgive your mom and your dad. Do you want to speak it or do you want me to help you? So say, I choose to forgive my father. I choose to forgive my dad. For hurting me. For hurting me. Yeah. I choose to forgive him. I choose to forgive Go ahead and speak it out because I don't remember. I choose to forgive my dad for um, not playing with me. I choose to forgive my dad for um, not allowing me to be a kid. 
choose to forgive my dad for having a, you know, really high expectations mm -hmm. of me. And I choose to forgive my dad for saying that I don't do anything right. Yes. And say, I choose to forgive my mom. I choose to forgive my mom. Mm -hmm. For saying that I don't deserve. Good things, in my life. good things in my life. I choose to forgive my mom for being angry with me and speaking those words that hurt me. Is there anything else you want to say? Father God, Father God, I release myself from all harm that was done to me. I release myself from all harm that was done to me. And I renounce the lie, I renounce the that, lie. I don't to be happy. that I don't deserve to be happy. Yeah. I renounce the lie that I don't deserve yes. to be happy. Yes. Say it one more time. I renounce the lie don't deserve to be happy, that I can't experience happiness, yes. that I have to pay. Say, Father God, Father God, what is the truth? What is the truth? I came to give you an abundant life. Amen. Amen. In me, you will find happiness, yes. true happiness. Kathy, I speak this over you. You are worthy of his love. You deserve his love, not because of what you've done, but because you're his daughter. He loves you with an everlasting love, unconditional love, infinite love. He desires to shower his love upon you happiness upon you, fullness of joy upon you. I speak to you right now, spirit. I speak to you, spirit man, and I say, rise up with joy. Rise up with the joy of the Lord. I speak to oppression, and I tell you to go in Jesus' name. I speak to the spirit of oppression. I say, be removed in Jesus' name. Be removed. Kathy, I want you to repeat this. Say, I cast off the spirit of oppression. I cancel every agreement I have made with the spirit of oppression. I choose to no longer partner with the spirit of oppression. And I command the spirit of oppression to remove your foothold from my life and leave me now in the name of Jesus. I claim back all ground and authority that the enemy has tried to steal. I am accepted. I am loved. I am not an orphan. I am not an orphan. I have the best daddy in the world. I have the best daddy in the world. And he loves me. And he loves me. Yes. I deserve his love. 
I deserve happiness. I deserve joy. Joy resides in me. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Amen. Amen. What are you feeling, Kat? You're not. You're not. Okay, thank you. Thank you for being so vulnerable. Give you a hug. You're welcome. I love you too. Didn't I tell you God had something for you? Yeah. Yeah. So, Kathy, did you go to God earlier today or did you just let him? I just let him. Yeah, because we talked about it. And I says, well, it's up to you. I said, I, you can go to God today, during the day, and seek him. And because I told her, you know, we're going to ask God if there's any lies you're believing. And I said, but, you know, he's going to show you. And I said, if you go to him now and come here this evening, he may show you something different. different because he loves Kathy, and he knows what her needs are. And I think you guys know me well enough to know that I wouldn't force somebody to do anything that I didn't feel like it was important for them to do. And even though Kathy just lost her dad, I just sensed that God wanted, to do, God wanted her to do that tonight. Last week when Renee was up here, after the meeting, she came up to me and she said, Cindy, something broke. You know, I had been dealing with something similar for a long time and going to God and seeking him, but it was kind of hanging on. But God did something different and something that needed broken off was broken off so we i just trust god when we pray these 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 prayers this this inner healing kind of prayer i just trust god because he shows us what we need when we need it it's kind of like an onion you might think that you've already dealt with that stuff but god says "Mm, today this is what you need daughter Today, this is what you need. It's just a beautiful way to commune with God and let him take care of you like a good daddy. Okay, Kent, would you go ahead and get that music ready to start? We're going to, I'm just going to pray through this with you. I'm just going to ask these questions for you to ask God. Have your pen or your pencil ready to to write down what God shows you. Sometimes I literally didn't remember. Kathy told me two things about her dad. One thing about her dad, one thing about her mom. I couldn't remember the thing about her dad two seconds after she told me. So that's why it's important to write it down. And And then you can just really press into it. So write down what God is showing you. What the lie is, what the truth is what the uh, whatever it is that he's showing you write it down so that you can just really press into it so father god we come to you right now believing that you love us so much and you're such a good father that you want us whole in spirit soul and body that you right now are helping us to tend our heart 
to do any weeding that needs done and to get those roots out. So let's just go to Father God and ask him. Say, Father God, is there a lie that I'm believing about myself? first thing that comes to you it might be a memory it might be a thought the first thing that comes to you write it down and then the next question to ask God is to say Father God when is the first time I received this lie into my heart. him is there anyone I need to forgive in relation to this lie and if he says yes if he shows you just start speaking it out right now in just a whisper voice saying I choose to forgive you mom for this or for that or dad or, or whoever it is myself from all harm that was done to me I let it go and now whatever that lie is I want you to speak out these words I renounce the lie and then fill in the blank Whatever that lie was, I renounce the lie and then speak it out. And then say, Father God, what is your truth? Write down the truth he shows you. Is there anybody that would be willing to share the lie 
just a, a one, or, one or two words, and the truth that God replaced it with. rescue you from what the foe daily so let me repeat it for the for the video pam said that she believed a lie that she was told when she was little that she was stupid and god said oh no you're my princess i'm your king and i release you from the foe every day thank you jesus and he said it right away awesome Stop repeating it. So he's giving you direction. He's saying, don't speak that over yourself, baby girl. Because that's how he forgives. Don't begrudgingly forgive. Forgive with freedom. And, and she said, he said it right away. That's often what happens. The, as soon as you open your heart and start talking to God and asking him these questions, he, he helps you. He's a good daddy. The next step, Pam and Kathy and everybody else this week is to go home and ask God to give you a word from Scripture that confirms what he spoke to you here. And then take that word along with what he spoke to you here and start declaring it over yourself. Because like I said, if it's a lie that you've been believing for many, many years, you need to change that mindset with the new one. In, and and let, allow that to develop and strengthen and, and develop new, strong, healthy roots to replace that old root that was just removed. So I am going to pray now a scripture to close. This is John chapter 8, verses 31 through 36. This is the same chapter that I read at the beginning that said, the the your father, the enemy, is the father of lies, the father of deception. And then Jesus says this. Jesus said this to those who believed in him. When you continue to embrace all that I teach, you prove that you are my true followers. For if you embrace the truth, it will release more freedom into your lives. So Kathy, as you embrace the truth that God just spoke to you, it will release more freedom in your life surprised by this they said but we're the descendants of abraham and we've all we're already free so these are the pharisees that were believing jesus and they said we're the descendants of abraham so we're already free we've never been in bondage to anyone how could you say that we'll be released into more freedom and this is what jesus said i speak eternal truth when you sin you're not free You've become a slave in bondage to your sin. And slaves have no permanent standing in a family like a son does. For a son is part of the family forever. So listen to this. So 
if the revelation of being a son or a daughter, Kathy, you're not an orphan, if the revelation of being a son or a daughter sets you free from sin, then you become a true son or daughter and you are unquestionably free. You have been set free. You are not a slave to sin. You are no longer under the dominion or the power. If you, if the enemy tries to accuse you, it's a deception because you're a son or a daughter, just like Jesus. You are a son or a daughter and you are unquestionably free. When you have revelation of your daughtership, of your sonship, you are free. So I just speak right now. I pray over this, over this uh, truth that has gone forth today from the word. And I pray that it is sealed. It is sealed into our hearts. That we know that we are daughters and sons. That we know that you are our daddy and you're a good daddy and that you love us. That we know that your truth is truth. It is the full truth. Not watered down truth. Not skewed truth. Not truth that has to match my experience. But it is absolute truth. And you are a God of your word. So we thank you, Father, for the depth and breadth and the amazing power and grace of your word, of your love, of your redemption. And we openly believe it and receive it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay.